Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. I wanted to talk about writing the script of our life, and it touches on so many areas. And what prompted it was, um, I want to add my voice to what is happening. I think the fact that we do pelvic health. Um, my husband's in the background saying that he loves me. I love you too. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, how, how we add our voice to conversations as pelvic health specialists. Um, but it really um, bleeds out into a lot of different areas. So we turned the recording on because you were bringing up a really important topic and uh, which I think is part of what I'm trying to say. So I wanted to talk about this um, writing the script of our life. And it comes from this interview I saw with this guy who his stage name is Conchita Worst. And he won the Eurovision Song Contest in 2014, performing as a bearded woman and continues to perform that way. And um, when he w- was talking about his life experience and how he came to where he's at, um, and, and he's a gay man, did I say that? So he has really things in his life that are way off what we would say is maybe the beaten path or the accepted route or whatever. And he said it, he said he realized that he gets to write the script of his life. And I thought that was really powerful. It made me think about um, what, what codes do we live by that we all just tacitly agree to without questioning them. And um, so maybe this is a, an aside, but these things are in sports, in sexuality, in work, in hierarchies we function in. So you, you were saying an important thing, and that's why I'm like, turn on the recording for what you're saying about kids' sports and what you see happening. Yeah, there seems to be like an early... Um specialization where kids are like choosing their favorite sport really early and then they uh so then they don't play so they play super competitive for that sport and then don't play any other sports or any other activities like dance or 
or even a non-athletic involvement um, type of thing. And so what leads to that is I think like 72% of girls before the age of 12 will quit their sport because of burnout. And then, so we're already having a problem there where we're, we don't have enough female girls playing in sports and staying in athletics, which then leads to lifelong uh, difficulties. And then also because of this early specialization, we're having these catastrophic injuries that young people are having that will affect them for the rest of their life. And it just wasn't happening even 10 years ago. Um, So this trend, um, whether it's because of prestige or everyone thinks that they need to be like in the best of the best and then they sacrifice their bodies for and their minds to be the best of the best but then your return on investment is not there because you know you're quit you know or you have an injury that puts you down and you can't ever play again at the level that you want to so um it's really fascinating and the underlying uh driving code there is we need to win and we and performance has to be perfect yeah and I think it's like both in like the players and the coaches like and you know coaches are in theory adults uh who have leadership skills and maybe there's unfortunate some validation concerns potentially because these coaches are wanting to have the best of the best and well subconsciously sacrifice anything in order to have that prestige. And I also think we live in a culture, obviously, that pushes success and productivity over people. Um, And we have this idea that like really being good at a craft and only one thing is like the goal in life, but a well-rounded person is a good thing too. So um, yeah, it's an interesting trend. So my husband and I, when we coach, like, it takes a while for girls to buy into what we're doing and parents to buy into what we're doing um, because we're really hoping that we're improving lifelong skills and then knowing that their worth is not based on their productivity, that they're worthy just for who they are. Um, um, so we've had a, a hard time having buy-in with that, but once people realize, oh, yeah, like, this is a good thing. And we've mixed in softball too, right? Um, yeah. And people seem to buy in with it. Yeah. I think of sports that way, especially kids sports. So you're teaching them how to live life, not not necessarily how to win a game. Yeah, um, absolutely. I have a lot of, I feel like this is such a good topic and I'm like being flooded with like thoughts on that. I feel like this has been going on a really long time because that definitely like all the things you're saying, Chrissy did play a role just in my own upbringing with sports and coaches. And then it also reminds me of this um, in college. I did a, my minor was in sports psychology and there was one professor that really had a profound effect on me. He taught, um, his name was Dr. Mosier and he taught, classes like sport in film and literature and the psychology of sport but he he was this really wise quirky man who actually taught how sport is really like a microcosm of life and like life and like life being a game and um and yeah sort of the themes in sport reflect the themes in life and just the philosophy on that um so that's coming to mind as well but I always appreciated teachers and coaches like that who, like you said, Chrissy, like are trying to teach um, life skills and it being more sport being more about like having fun and learning and like teamwork and all those good, all that good stuff versus like winning and performing um, and that sort of stress and strain that gets put on put on kids and it's ironic because when you do the first thing that you say like you actually become more successful 
Like when totally. you're <laughs> stressed out constantly under this guise of some performance goal that is arbitrary and someone else put for you most likely, like you're going to fail like more, more often than you're going to succeed. Yeah. And it, yeah, so. it really like affects your life. I thought about it a lot in terms of, I, I loved growing up as a dancer, but it, it was a lot of like, you're being judged for the performance of your body and how you look on stage versus like I'm dancing to have fun and um, be amongst friends and for the culture. I mean, Scottish Highland dancing is really amazing and I love the culture and everything, but it's still, you know, you're being, your body is being judged. And I don't know, that just like has a lot of reflections and ramifications for just life in general. Um, And it's, and like, are you doing something like even like at work, are you doing something in order to perform and prove yourself um, in front of like other people or are you doing something because you just want to be there and you're in the flow of what you're doing within yourself and within your body? Um, it's hard to, if you've been grown up like in that world of you're doing something for others for the judgment of others, it, it can be really hard to make that shift as an adult. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Well, yeah. And I don't know that we do because uh, we continue to judge others. And be right. Judged. <laughs> right. Yeah. We take on that role too. as the judge. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, we we might say the un, what is the underlying code? What do I want to uh, do? I want to live by that, or do I want to write my own script on that? It sounds like when you 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 incurred our coaching, you're writing your own script. You're deliberately saying these are what we value, and this is what I'm going to teach uh, to to the kids I'm responsible for. Yeah, I think for myself, it's like the things that I wish I knew at their age. And then mm. I'm also uh, working through it myself currently, because um, I definitely lived in a in a very high productivity uh, family. Um, and whether it be conscious or subconscious, and most likely subconscious, like that, you know, you, you work hard, play hard, and um, you know, you, thankfully though, my, my mom did set boundaries a lot for like, if I had, um, uh, activities or games or clubs or anything like that, she always made sure that she left work early or was able to make work arrangements so that she could attend. So she didn't sacrifice her relationship with me, um, and my dad to uh for this productivity goal right um but still that uh and I know a lot of families that have that dynamic where one of the parents like misses everything because they're trying to climb some ladder that they were told that they need to climb um but I still learned in some capacity most likely subconsciously that I was worthy based on how well I produced something so um, I'm also struggling continually to struggle with it. And, uh, so I'm through my, my own healing. I'm like trying to help these girls at the same time. Yeah. That's really and- interesting. Like, uh, like having a baby and like seeing that, like the performance thing, mm-hmm. I try not to say, I mean, no one's perfect, but I try not to say like, good job mm-hmm. for doing something because mm-hmm. then I'm implying that there's a bad job. <laughs> out there like yeah. if he misses where he's practicing he's just getting like the ball in the hole of this little like game thing and uh, it's like good job it's so easy to say good job but then if he misses mm-hmm. what am I am I supposed to say like bad job <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's like not about I try to say more like you put the ball in the hole yeah like, <laughs> cool <laughs> fun um and then oh, oh, the ball's on the floor. And, and just 
maybe being more present with what is than saying good or bad job. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It um, there is so much to it. So the the work aspect is the the you're kind of touching on the codes we live by for work and at therapy solutions we've really i strive to set up a place where there's space in work where you can touch into your own self and that is hard actually it's probably easier to get all bound up in production that to me is skimming the surface um, and looking at how many people did I see? What you know? How how fast did I get them better? Mm-hmm. Right. That <clears throat> when I my first job um, without patient orthopedics, that's definitely one where the insurance companies pressed to get get them through quick. And <clears throat> um, you know, we deliberately take on populations that require time. Uh, and progress is slow, uh, oftentimes. Um, and what does that what does that bring up for us? Like, I find it interesting, Christy, that you're saying you you are working through things in your own life. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much it is because we have a work environment that gives space for that. I don't yeah, know. yeah, and then. It- lots of uh, growth in in general and uh, uh, therapy, mental health counseling that I've been through to help the process. And um, my, uh, my husband and I have been, have been like in this healing environment right now where um, there might be a little bit more emotions between each other and, and, a little bit more um, like different emotions than what we were used to with each other. Um, but it's allowing that growth um, and even like productivity within a relationship like has been coming up um, and how, um, how can we make sure that we, we are agreeing that we should not be as productive and we don't have to be as productive outside our relationship. And so that same concept is, is being headbutted in our own relationship too. So um, it's interesting that how they show up in different places. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so I, I think the script that I want to write is that life is about a soul's journey of de- deepening connection, um, heart opening. And then whatever I do, it's it's to um, expand that experience, and that's counter to the current script of our society. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you know that you can't l- live in a imaginary Disneyland. No, you have to. We have to operate in the world too, and that there's that's the rub. How do we do that? So I I feel like um, for women and sexuality, this is there are some deeply rooted codes that we live by. Um, uh, I don't hear the phrase as much anymore, but we grew up with you know women were the weaker sex, mm-hmm. um, and whether it's women or or um, you know, black people or any, or poor people or whoever you're going to label as one down. You, uh, when I, when I went to the African American museum, I was so struck. You, you go down to the, uh, the basement, this is in the Smithsonian. It's four stories into the ground and it starts out with the history of Africa and the United and the, and the Americas. And you see that Africa was a thriving culture and, um, and, um, it was some people deciding that they wanted to grow sugar as a matter of fact, and started enslaving people from Africa. 
And then that history is just horrendous. And that that is the first uh, time in human history where people were enslaved, not just for a period of time, but enslaved because of the color of their skin and generationally and seen as less than, not even seen as human. And that our current way of doing business is based on someone has to be won down and not paid for the effort that they do. And so although we did away with slavery, look at the fight we have over minimum wage or the, the income uh, in inequality right now that is just pressing in on, on um, people uh, because of this mindset. I'm like, how do we rise above it? And it includes subjugating women. And when, uh, like, so I don't even want to engage in any argument whether what is the rights I have in caring for my body, because the question isn't even on the table. It's it's my body. When did that become? What code is there out there that somebody else gets to dictate what I do with my body, whether it's how I express my sexuality? what I do if I get in a health crisis. Um, yeah. So I, I think we need to like call out what codes are we being asked to live by and then ask, are those the codes we want to live by? If not, what are? Um, I think for, for me, it's e equality of all people. Um, anyway, that's, I feel some passion about this one. <laughs> I think what we've learned a lot in the past, in the past two years is that there are systems set up to continue that oppression and that in order, yes, we can all maybe collectively agree that equality and making sure that an equity, an equity, not just equality, that we are also uplifting the ones that are at the bottom, quote unquote, the bottom, you know, maybe we don't necessarily agree with that term, but our society, unfortunately, has this hierarchy, um, but the mm -hmm. systems in place, like, continue to keep the hierarchy around, and, um, you know, we're, we're trying to have change in that, um, but it's a lot harder than, uh, we're finding that's a lot harder for that change to happen. Um, I'm just... I'm, happy that I'm more conscious of that inequality and more conscious of it's not just me believing that there needs to be inequality the systems in place aren't set up for it so how can we dismantle our 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 uh our systems and or reform our systems in order to get that to happen yeah that's I don't know <laughs> Like getting that was the sh shocking thing looking at that museum was like, oh my gosh, our current culture is sitting on rotting uh, foundation. It, it can't function this way without hurting um, people. Yeah. Uh, so, so then here's this guy, Conchita Worst. Uh, who's uh, doing it? He's bucking it. Um, yeah, I was noticing a, um, a, a friend of the clinic. She was a student, a physical therapy student in our clinic. Um, and we're Facebook friends now. And she's practicing public health up in the Everett area. Um, and... Um, Anyway, she's raising two kids now with her husband, and I can see from the pictures they are deliberately raising these kids to not, uh, uh, you know, removing the, the, the gender things that you do, like put girls in frilly things with bows and uh, put boys in boyish looking things, I guess, you know, just to help like, to live free of the constraints 
of identifying by your sexuality. Makes me wonder like where where these constraints come from and why they perpetuate. Like the same thing happened to me. I was you know, I bought something before the birth that was pink and this person was like, wait, what if it's a boy? And I was <laughs> like, boys can wear pink. And they just were like, oh, okay, that's weird. I'm like, what? I was surprised. <laughs> because I don't like to really live in those gender norms either. And um but it's like where did that come from? Like was that somebody told them at some point that it wasn't okay for boys to wear pink? But then I realized back in the day, like at some point, I think boys did wear pink and girls wore blue because red is a more masculine color. Yang, the sun, like it's red is masculine and blue is more yin, feminine. Um, so like baby girls wear light blue and baby boys would wear light red or pink. And I don't remember the exact story, but at some point it got switched. So it's really just like a construct of our minds that boys yeah. wear blue and girls wear pink. And, and it actually doesn't really make sense in terms of nature. So <laughs> and men used to wear wigs and makeup and high heels yep. and we'll prettier <laughs> clothes. Yeah, it's just a, a decision. And in nature, the male birds are the ones that do the dance and are like colorful yeah. and to attract the mate. So it is, uh, yeah, it's just funny. I mean, it's not funny when it becomes like oppressive in society, but it's like, where do we get these ideas and why are we, do we hold so fast to them? It's like, there's some kind of fear that like, if you go against the norm or what's safe, it's like, oh, you, you're, your risk, it's risky. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why people t t want to tell other people that they should or shouldn't do something. It's like, I, yeah. I don't really understand where that fear comes from. Actually, I should say the name of this therapist. Her name's Katie McGee, and she has B3 physical therapy. And maybe we should like have her come on as a guest interviewer because she is targeting the, um, LGBTQ community for her practice. I bet it, it she, I just love what she's doing to, uh, I think she'd have a, a lot to say on this topic. Um, but we can write the script and we, if we see this where, where we're living by boys have to wear blue and girls have to wear pink, where we can just like, stop participating in that. Um, I think it's interesting too, like what we're finding out is that for some reason, the people who are the ones who are oppressed or are marginalized are the ones that have to take the risk of their safety and well-being in order to flip the script or in order to write the yeah. script to allow um, more equity to happen. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really terrifying that, you know, a trans person or a person of color or a gay or lesbian person or an immigrant has to do all the hard work and put themselves in danger essentially in order to let white people be okay and white and and rich people to be okay with not living in a box anymore and i how terrifying is that too that the people who have less are the ones that have to have that job and it's not yeah. it's not fair uh yeah there's a lot of bravery in that mm -hmm. um and usually at the cost of sometimes their life. And that's horrible. Yeah. There's a lot of things that were on the table today that just make me want to pause and give a moment of silence. And that that's one of them right there is their bravery. And even at the loss of life, 
just to be them, just to be their own self. Yep. Like, why, why did we ever buy into that there was only two forms of sexual expression, male or female? It's just the more you think about it, the more ridiculous it seems. And it's um, well, I mean, if you want to get cynical, you know. I have my biases of like religion just because I understand in many religions how oppressive the religion itself is with its followers. Um, But, you know, if you look at indigenous groups and indigenous cultures that weren't touched by Christianity, they had Mm -hmm. multiple gender expressions. They had, um, there weren't gender norms to the to the degree that they're upheld now there's um and so you know when christianity became more of a thing and then also and and not just christianity but the strictness of um orthodox jew um and strictness of some of the traditional teachings of islam like and those are the three that i know most about so i'm sure there's other things around that also have more things but you know there are these systems set up in religion that seem to want to take away that those are put more boxes in um to keep people in those boxes so so interestingly um the bible as we know it came into existence in the sixth century after christ when a bunch of men uh got together and decided which of the different books that had been written would go into the New Testament Bible. And the ones written by women were not put in there. There was, there's the, I think it's the gospel of Mary. It's quite lovely. It's very much like the gospel of John, which is very um, uh, much more esoteric and, and spiritual, less practical. Um, uh, and um, the other interesting fact about Christianity, um, someone said to me once, because I consider myself a Christian, um, Christians are ignorant to their own history. So I went looking, and the history of women in the church is very rich. Um, there, are, there, There's um, like Hildegard von Bengen, uh, Julian of Norwich, Teresa uh, of Avila, um, the Beguines, or a whole group of women that weren't nuns, they, as I understand, it's been a while since I read this stuff. Um, but their expression of their their faith was often very esoteric, very mystical, and their experience of God and expression of that was sensual. And it's very sensual writing, oftentimes. Um, so we don't talk about these women. Most Christians don't, don't know about them. Um, and so I feel, feel like, um, modern day Christianity doesn't know itself and isn't, um, uh, is almost used as a tool to repress people, to try and fit into somebody's mold of what what they're, what they can feel safe with. Um, it's a, one of my sons once I took him to, to church with me. I mean, I raised my kids in the church anyway, I was trying a new church and, um, I said, here, come along with me. And he, uh, when we left, he said, everyone in there is afraid. Oh, how powerful for, uh, how old was he? Yeah. Seven. Uh, early twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still, still, still pretty young and astute. And that when, you know, when our religion is to help us not feel afraid, um, we're, we're going to start making scripts that make us feel safe. And then we want everyone else to live by these scripts. Um, so, you know, as I rehabilitated my own self, because I became one of those people, it was very judgy. Um, 
you know, that's where I came around to yoga because yoga is the rubber hits the road with asana. You know, you have to, can you do the posture? I can talk a talk, but can I walk it? And can I do it? And don't say it until you can do it. Um, that's why I ended up at yoga. I was going to say, I think that you said the fear, the fear aspect, I think, is really powerful. And I've always just tried to follow philosophy or religions or, um, you know, spirituality practices that promote love and freedom. And whenever I get that inkling of judgment and fear, I think, okay, I I steer away from that, from that path and go more towards the the freedom and love, which I think is what religion is based on um, originally. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way it got more fear. A lot of religions are more fear based. And interestingly, when I went through AA, when it was said, you know, there's a lot of little pearls when you sit around the tables at AA um, one of the pearls was alcoholism is a fear disease. <laughs> and you look at what's happening with alcohol consumption in the United States. We now have exceeded Europe, Europe for alcohol consumption. Wow. So we have a, a culture that's numbing itself out because the codes we're living by are not livable. If you're always in fear of your, your value is how much you can produce. Um, the, and especially in a, an economy that's doing what ours is doing right now with inflation and, uh, you know, threat of war and violence, you're going to be afraid. Yeah. If you're always fearing, fearing that you can't be yourself. And then you live your life, like making decisions that aren't based on like what, you believe is true in your heart and only living a life where you feel like you're you're being judged or you know doing things because other people think you should do it this way then you'll i do feel like then you're just going to totally lose yourself and then and then feel like who who am i and then want to escape the reality that's been created in that way yeah so it makes sense to me what you're saying yeah you're wanting to escape something because you're not living your like maybe that's what it seems like because if you're not living your true authentic self Mm -hmm. you get lost and if we really would live authentically like like who who is the beautiful divinity that i am and that's what i was going to say so yoga classes in the u.s anyway we like to finish with namaste which means the divine in me sees and acknowledges the divine in you. And it, um, isn't it? And like that, I, I love to say that not just, not the namaste as much as that other statement, the divine in me sees and acknowledges the divine in you. And that I live from that space where I'm looking not at your faults, but at your beauty, at what, uh, what, lovely unique thing you're going to bring in the world when i give you space to be yourself so i feel like my code i hope is kindness and respect and that i can measure things like by their appropriateness is that the right word is it kind if it's not kind it probably needs to be adjusted it is is not kind to take someone when they're down and um, in a in a really tight bind, like an unwanted pregnancy, and and say I get to say what happens to you instead of acknowledging the tragedy of the situation, the untenableness of it, and helping that person through, which I had thought that we had come to. You know, for the people who believe that abortion shouldn't happen, they had wonderful 
centers to support women through that process. Um, we, I don't need to um, be mandated by law when it comes to health, for goodness sake. Yeah. And in fact, when we allow people to operate from that space, person to person, helping each other out, we have fewer abortions. And yeah, yeah. yeah all the things, isn't it like the research shows all the things that we don't do is what actually reduces abortions, not what they, not banning abortions. Yeah, right. That's yeah. like the, the war on drugs, right? So we have more drugs. <laughs> That's the, that what's, I guess we leave people with what, what's the script you want to write of your life and are you brave enough to live it? Cause and I guess are that's you compassionate enough to let others live their life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. not judge. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to, at times, like when they like, I'm like hearing, and this is a very, and this is even for myself, like difficult, and obviously, like, when it comes to abortion, I've, I'm a big pro-choice. Like, you do what you want with your body. And it's hard to use that same concept and then place it in the context of the pandemic that we have been in. And how, you know, I understand that we should also extend my body, my choice to things outside of abortion, including, you know, the COVID vaccine and the mandates that we had and mask wearing. And at what point, like, do, do I, am I able to say your actions could potentially kill me or someone that I love? or have a long disease that occurs after an infection. And when can then I say my fear of that means that you have to follow my rules of, and now granted wearing a mask is different than abortion. Like I'm not saying that they're the same, they're the same things, right? Obviously there's more nuance to it. And so in my brain, like, you know, even though it may not be your choice, wearing a mask was more beneficial to for a public health safety issue, whereas abortion is not necessarily a direct full public health issue. Um, you know, it's I, I struggle with it because, and part of it is politics. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because um, we all seem to want to be correct in our stance when it is convenient to our own narrative. Um, yeah. And, you know, yet there's also instances where, you know, we're not comparing apples to apples. Like there are two separate things, but we also can't necessarily cherry pick either. So I struggle with that. I struggle with that whole concept yeah. that we talked about. Well, I do think those, Two uses of my body, my choice are false equivalents. Yeah, that, we, and, and 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 I agree. Like it's it's like there are two very separate ideologies and situations. Um, but and then at the same time, like where where is the intersection at? I guess you know. Yeah, you know, I think that's really good to look at because um, you could say that creating a baby and then um, destroying that baby because it's, uh, you know, it's unsafe or unwanted or what have you um, is creates a, a spiritual burden on all of society. But is the burden the abortion or is the burden um, the unwanted pressure on a woman to have unprotected sex. Uh, where, where's that, where is that coming from? And there's probably multiple layers that, that it could be coming from. And that 
we acknowledge the sanctity of life and how we handle that does it need to be a legal matter of of uh legal illegal or um do we let us take each other as individuals and help through a crisis and that help might need to come in the form of ending a pregnancy carrying a pregnancy to term helping them find someone to adopt helping them raise that baby or or protecting women from abuse making it so heinous to force someone on someone on someone else sexually that it just you know we 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 don't let that happen um and then with the pandemic that's a group that's a group activity that's very visual in its effect physical like so if i'm saying there's a spiritual impact that affects everyone in the world of sanctity of life there's a physical impact on the pandemic and so then on the pandemic side we see physically what could be happening spiritually in the other realm so on the physical level here, we got to look out for each other. Um, I, frankly, um, I appreciate the freedom to choose to, to not be in a group or to be in a group, to wear a mask, to stand six feet apart, to try to get together. Um, I wish we were, I hope that we can be more accepting of each other a heavy topic it's mm-hmm. and like you said it's multi-layered and, mm-hmm. I mean, and yes like reproductive rights you know is more of a is going to affect the person who has ability to become pregnant and be pregnant and that fetus it, it, so it's that more microcosm whereas the pandemic obviously is a public, it's, you know, what I do directly affects someone else. Yeah. So it's a little more, um, it's a little bit different in that regard. Um, and then I'm watching all the long COVID and, you know, yeah. like uh, I see somebody who got it in July, 2020 and health steadily, steadily declining over time. I, it, uh, you're hearing, a lot more of um, cardiac issues, heart arrhythmias, strokes. It's yeah. it's like I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to do my best to minimize my risk. But this, this these newer um, variants are highly contagious. Yeah, I don't think the people that are making these decisions about abortion really fully understand what it means to be a mom especially when you know a mom without um support <laughs> like i'm a mom with a lot of support and i'm not and it's hard like <laughs> hard anyway hard. so i cannot imagine like having like not having the support and having to go back to work that early and like not having a child care is really expensive and and scarce yeah, and then the whole formula issue that's going on. It's like, it's just insanity that we're like, yeah, banning abortion without without being mindful of supporting life. Like, yeah, afterwards. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. So. Well, I think we're just going to keep augering in. We're going to have more people die in the pandemic, more chronic illness in the pandemic, you know, just more suffering in general because, until we each of us decide to write a script about kindness and respect and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, empathy and compassion and yeah love and helping people yeah find their yeah. path and yeah something like abortion is not what somebody usually wants to do it's just it's like <laughs> it's a sad event and it's like okay well we can lend compassion to somebody that has to go through that and realize that this is 
part of their life path. Like, this is an unfortunate part of their life path, and we can either be there to lend empathy or compassion, or we can be there to scream judgment and hate toward them. It's, mm -hmm. it's like your choice of how you want to treat this person. And I mean, it's like we all learn the golden rule. Like, how do you want to treat somebody that, you know, the way you want to be treated? It's that simple. But we like yeah. forget that along the way. And I guess people would say there's some that would say we have our head in the clouds that like join me with your head in the with the head in the cloud then because there life is full of tragedies. Right, right. Like like that Ram's ass. Like. <laughs> yes, it is. We of course, yeah. No one wants to hurt another. We're all just walking each other home, right? Ram Das. Yeah. I love it's my favorite love one of my favorite sayings. Mm. Just walk each other so home. About that. In a hard day. <laughs> right. <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, you guys, thank you. Yeah. Wow, that was a big topic. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could follow up with maybe we can reflect on like what our, what our script is and we can say what our script, what we want That's the script true. to look like. Scripted. And just maybe some of the challenges we've personally come across with yeah. maybe not following the norm, like the, the normal script. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.